Well, this week we celebrate one of my favorite holidays. I've already mentioned it. Uh, This week we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving. And uh, one of the reasons I love Thanksgiving, especially this year I'm going to actually get to be with some family, uh, it's just a wonderful time if we pay attention to what's happening. Uh, But I want to share with you a little bit from an article from Christianity Today that was written by Rachel Marie Stone that makes some very important observations for the week ahead of us. She pointed out that for many of us, and this would be true for those of us who are gathered here today, for many of us, Thanksgiving has always struck a profoundly religious observance. We are giving thanks to God. Uh, Therefore, when we see what is happening in our culture, sometimes it brings us a little bit of dismay and discouragement. Uh, And what I'm talking about, folks, get ready, because for some of you, this may be your second favorite, Black Friday. Black Friday sales. And Stone has has pointed out that they have been encroaching on the actual holiday of Thanksgiving for quite some time now. Uh, The busiest shopping day of the year, um, and it's been coming into Thanksgiving itself. Uh, One of the reasons I'm very thankful is I no longer work in retail and don't have to face those kind of days. But she pointed out stores have been opening early, say 6 a.m. on the day after Thanksgiving, for quite a while now. Uh, But extremely early openings, 4 a.m. and 5 a.m., have gradually become more common. And then way back in 2011, Target... Best Buy, Macy's, and others caused quite a bit of a stir by opening at midnight. And then the very next year, in 2012, Walmart opened up in the evening of Thanksgiving Day itself. And now dozens of stores are doing this kind of thing. They'll be open as early as the evening of Thanksgiving, moving into what is supposed to be a time of thankfulness and, and getting, recognizing what has been given us in life. Our national holidays gradually erode every time this unwinding wave of commerce comes upon us. Um, it's regrettable, and, and it suggests something very important. Now, I'll, I'll let you know, I worked in retail for 11 years, and for almost 11 years, I saw every year those holiday things started getting promoted earlier and earlier, not because we wanted a great, wonderful spirit, because we wanted to push smart merchandise. And what Stone says this suggests about us, that what we value most in our culture is not family, is not religion, history, or even the cherished notion that God has blessed America. Instead, for us, there is no day so sacred that it would keep us from standing in long lines to get a flat-screen TV. It's significant. When President Lincoln established a regular day for a national time of Thanksgiving, the Civil War was still waging. It had not been settled. And in his proclamation of Thanksgiving, Lincoln urged people to consider that even amid the ravages of war, God had blessed America 
with fruitful fields and healthful skies. And even in the midst of this horrible conflict raging in our country, God nevertheless remembered mercy. And I wonder what Lincoln would think today, uh, how he would look at the shrieking mobs surging in a blind rush uh, for holiday bargains, trampling a Walmart employee to death to get the best sales. I think Lincoln would say this falls between uh, both American and religious ideals. And it certainly, certainly doesn't sound like something that our God, who commanded his people to give even their servants and animals rest on the seventh day, God doesn't smile upon this. Now still, before we get too sanctimonious, it's easy for us to perch ourselves on our, our pillars and, and point at all those wicked, evil people. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands how many of you will be in line for that flat screen TV. It's easy for us to talk about the crass materialism of holidays nowadays. But I want to ask you a question. Do we think about Thanksgiving as much as we should? Now, I'm not talking about the holiday. Okay, I'm not talking about the holiday. I'm actually talking about the act of thankfulness. Do we really need a national holiday to cause us to stop for a moment and be thankful to our God? It should come more than once a year. Our song today, Count Your Blessings, not only reminds us to constantly be thankful, it's certainly one of the most familiar hymns that have been sung in modern history. Uh, It's been suggested that perhaps no other American hymn has been welcomed throughout the world as this one. Kenneth Osbeck points to Gypsy Smith. Now, Gypsy Smith was the Billy Graham of his day, a famous evangelist in the 19th and 20th, early 20th centuries. And he said of this song, In South London the men sing it, the boys whistle it, and the women rock their babies to sleep on this hymn. And then during the great Welsh revival, in the 19th century. This song was one of the hymns that was sung in every service where people were gathering to hear from God. Uh, it was sung along with, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, and O that will be glory. Now, Count Your Blessings was written by Johnson Oban Jr. He was born in April of 1856. He became a familiar with hymnody through his father, who apparently had a beautiful voice and loved to sing the songs of faith. And that, that charged his heart. Uh, Oban Jr. actually became a Christian at 19 years of age. And then several years later, he was licensed to preach in the Methodist church. It didn't take him long to figure out that that was not his true calling. And he actually spent much of his life in the mercantile business and as an administrator of a large insurance company. But he still had a sense that God had a call in his life, and he discovered what that call was, writing hymns and songs of faith. Oatman wrote over 5,000 hymn texts. Not only this one that we know so well, but also Higher Ground. And Count Your Blessings is often considered his finest hymn. It first appeared in Songs of Young People, compiled and published in 1897. 
and it's been sung all over the world. One writer says of it, like a beam of sunlight, it has brightened up the dark places of the earth. And it's not hard to understand why this song is so popular. Uh, I have, this is one of my favorite songs uh, that we sing in the church. It reminds us that in times of trouble, don't lose hope. Be thankful. It reminds us that God is working in our lives to fulfill his purpose. It reminds us that God has truly blessed us in Christ. And the Apostle Paul understood this truth. In writing to the church at Ephesus, the Apostle got carried away in one of his moments of enthusiasm. Uh, I say that because the, the whole text that this, th- this hymn can point us to, verses 3 through 14 of Ephesians 1, is one long sentence. Paul is so carried away with thankfulness and joy and love that he can't stop writing. He just keeps on thinking more and more stuff. And I'm going to give you a warning. In a preaching class in college, uh, we, I had to exegete this passage. I had to dig into it. I had to produce a sermon document. And then the professor said, when you get through with everything you've done, I want you to come up with as many different approaches you could come to this text and just write those approaches, the names, and, and, and so forth out. And I, being the ripe old age of about 23, was quite certain that when Danny Nance wrote a sermon on a passage of Scripture, that was the only sermon that could come, what I wrote. When I got through with that, I had 20 different ways approaching this text. I'm not going to give them all to you today. But it's one long word of thanksgiving. And we're going to actually just look at verses 3 through 10. And in that passage of Scripture, Paul rejoiced that God had richly blessed people of faith through Jesus Christ. So let's see what he had to write. And will you stand as we look at Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. I'll let you know I'm reading from the Legacy uh, Standard Bible. It's a new translation that has come out this year uh, along the lines. It has connections with the New American Standard going all the way back to the American Standard. Uh, One of the reasons we used it in our our responsive readings, one of the things I like about this Bible is it goes ahead and gives us the covenant name of God every time it's used in Scripture. Uh, So we don't have to look at Lord and see if it's all in caps or not. Uh, There are a lot of different reasons, but this is a beautiful beautiful translation that I'm becoming more and more familiar with. So let's hear the word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven 
and things on earth. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Folks, I could literally spend months and never leave this text. It is so full, so rich, so meaning. The blessings that are given to us in Christ, and those blessings in Christ continue today. Now, I believe that the blessings of God are far too numerous for us to accurately count them. But today, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, I want us to look at some of the ways God does bless us. Uh, I want us to look. Count your blessings basically tells us over and over again, be sure to count your blessings. And every once in a while gives us an allusion to what those blessings are. This passage is all about the blessings themselves. So we're going to look at the ways that God has blessed us in Jesus Christ. And in doing so... We can join Paul and Johnson Oatman Jr. in their excited praise over the blessings of God. So the very first way God chose to enter into our lives. God reached out to us. He drew us to himself. He sent the Spirit wooing us. Sent the message of the gospel to us. Calling us and and moving in our lives to come into our lives, to be part of our lives. Now, what that means, basically, folks, we were chosen to walk with God. I've mentioned so many different times that beautiful phrase in Scripture when we're told in Genesis, after Adam and Eve sinned and they're hiding, they hear the voice of God walking in the midst of the garden in the cool of the day. And I've pointed out that suggests they knew that it was God. This was something that happened on a regular basis. They walked with the Lord. And Paul is letting us know God chose us to walk with him. We are children of God. And Paul specifically here talks about that idea. We were chosen to be adopted by God into his family. This is so wonderful. This idea that God said, I want you to be in my family and I'm going to make you my own. A teacher by the name of Debbie Moon's first grade class was analyzing, discussing a picture of a family. And the kids quickly noticed that the little boy in the photo uh, was different. Uh, He didn't have the same color hair. He just didn't look like the rest of the family. And somebody, one of the kids, quickly said, well, maybe he's adopted. And all of a sudden, a little girl in class responded that she knew all about adoption because she was adopted. And so... Somebody asked her, what does it mean to be adopted? And the little girl said, and I absolutely love this, this adopted little wonderful treasure of God said, adoption means that you grew in your mommy's heart instead of her tummy. Folks, we have grown in our father's heart. He has loved us for all eternity. And he said, I'm going to make you mine. And, and with that, this idea of coming into the family of God, walking with him, we understand as we look at this text that we were gifted with what we need to live victoriously. God was showering us, Paul says, with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. 
He is throwing blessings at us, leaving them on us, touching us in so many different ways. And the idea throughout this text is God isn't giving them to us because we earn them. God was giving them to us because of grace. I've shared with you once before, or at least once before, my aha moment as a child when it came to Christmas. Uh, I did not want to be on Santa's bad list. It's not that I wanted to be this kid that gets in trouble, but it was so hard to be good and kind to my two older sisters. And one day I had this epiphany, this, this, this moment, and I don't even remember how old I was, but it was like a bolt of lightning streaking across the sky that said, even if I did wind up on Santa's bad list, I was still going to get some presents at Christmas. He may give me coal, or he may put sticks in my stocking, but I knew I was going to get presents at Christmas. Why? Because I had parents who loved me. And I've told you, my mom and I, throughout as far back as I can remember, my mom would look at me and say, I love you anyway. And, and some people said, that's horrible. I said, no, that's wonderful. Because my mom was saying, no matter what happens, I will always love you. No matter what you do, I will always love you. In spite of my occasional steps into naughtiness, my parents would love me and I knew. Now, the Word of God is clear about this. It is absolutely clear about what God has promised us. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, listen to what Peter wrote about our God. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Say, did you hear that? He gave us everything that is about life and living a godly life, by which he has granted to us his precious and and very great promises, says that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So God has adopted us. God has gifted us. Everything we need to live the life he's calling us to live is, is being given us because of his grace, through his grace. And so we are, my friends, growing into what we were meant to be. Did you hear what God says in his word through Paul? God chose us and he predestinated us in Christ to be holy and blameless. The character of what it means to truly be a Christian. Holy set aside. The moment we gave our lives to Christ, we were part of the kingdom and we were set aside by him. But he still continually brings about this act of sanctification by which as we yield to him, we become more and more like our Savior, blameless, which has the idea of, of well, put it, the Word of God tells us, when people say something bad about you, make it be something that they have to lie about. Live your life in such a way that your life brings honor and glory to God. This is the grace and mercy of God at work in our lives. 
Him making us into the children we were meant to be. Not through our acts of willpower. So if we live the character that we were called to live, if we live as children of God, adopted into the family, blessed with everything we need to live as members of the family, then I believe we can change our world. I'm not saying we're just going to, everybody because of what we do is going to just one day stand around and hold hands and sing Kumbaya. But we will make differences in some lives. And there will be some people who hear the call of God, who hear the message of the gospel that they have seen in our lives and heard with our words. And there will be people who join the family of God. God has called us. And then we are told God blessed us with forgiveness. I love the line, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. Then the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. God blessed us. He pulled us out of our drowning state of sin. And folks, this forgiveness that God brought It was forgiveness at a great price. We must never forget that. A forgiveness at a great price. Paul declared here, we were redeemed in Christ. Jesus put it this way, the Son of Man has come not to serve, but to be served and to give his life a ransom for many. He said, I've come to pay the price for people to come into the kingdom of God. Our forgiveness carried with it the great price of the life of Jesus Christ our Lord. This redemption was coming to us, has come to us, given us what we could not do ourselves. Humanity has tried countless times to reach its full potential. Do you remember the old ad campaign with the army, Be All You Can Be? The world wants, we're, we're going to do it, we're going to... This time with education. This time with taking care of all the problems of the world. Just by knowing what to do. We try and we try. But our weakness keeps it from happening. And even in the pagan world, centuries ago, there were those who sensed the helplessness and hopelessness of people ever becoming more than they were. Seneca was a Roman writer. He was a philosopher. And he once said, Men with a kind of despair love their vices and hate them at the same time. What men need, he cried, is a hand let down to lift them up. Seneca knew we can't change ourselves. With all of our philosophies, with all of our attempts, we're not going to do it. We need someone to reach down and get us. But poor Seneca had no one in his philosophy, no one in his religion who would do that. But our faith is built on the truth that Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, became a man, entered into this existence, lived that perfect life so he could die upon a Roman cross, be raised on the third day for the express purpose of taking us by our hand and pulling us out of 
the sinking death. You see, this forgiveness, it was forgiveness that is more than a wish. The world doesn't know what to do with guilt, doesn't know how to handle it, doesn't know how to fix it. We're told here that Jesus actually takes our sin upon himself. The Word of God says, because of what God has done in his grace and mercy, our sin is cast into the sea. And our God chooses to remember it no more. It is through the multitude of God's tender mercies that our, our transgressions are blotted out in Jesus Christ. And it is through Jesus Christ our sins are actually lifted off from us and taken away. Because of what Christ has done, as far as the east is from the west, so far as God re- removed our sin for us. And folks... No one can tell me where the east begins and where the west stops. It is gone forever. For a very real reason. This forgiveness, it is forgiveness which cleanses. Isaiah, the very first chapter of his great book, was calling the people of Judah to come back to God. At one point, he actually says, even dumb animals are smarter than you because they know who their master is. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. The ugly red stain of sin... And the ugly darkness within our hearts can be removed. We can be clean before the Lord. And I would suspect that virtually every person in this room old enough has felt the guilt of sin. And because of that guilt, you've even wondered, could God even love me? And Jesus Christ says, yes. And I will take your guilt And I will remove it. And I will make you into what you can be in the kingdom of God. We can be clean. We can be clean. There are times, there are times memories of what I've done in my past will come flooding into my heart. And I'll ask God to to forgive me for something I did 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. And my God is in heaven saying, what are you talking about? Because he doesn't remember. He doesn't hold on. We can be clean. And the final blessing I want us to look at, and folks, this is where it becomes so real in our lives if we'll allow it. God made us a part of his plan. The God who spoke the world into creation. We sing that song. He's got the whole world in his hands. God has made us part of his plan. Paul is saying, it's been revealed to us. All these mysteries, all these truths have been given us and a purpose. This plan that God has, this plan included purpose found in Christ. Whatever you have done in your life, whatever your vocation, whatever your livelihood, whatever whatever you've done in education, whatever has happened, Your greatest purpose in the world is found in Jesus Christ. 
We're part of the kingdom of God. We're part of his plan. And that can be frightening. On more than one occasion, I have said, God, you chose us? Really? It involves risk. It involves taking a chance on God. And Blaise Pascal, a French mathematician, philosopher, theologian, an incredible, incredible intelligence, said that God was worth the risk. In fact, following him, if you're wrong, you've lived a good life. Following him, if you're right, you've avoided judgment. Max Licato, a very different approach than Pascal, uh, wrote in, in, in a beautiful statement. He gave a parable. He's really good at this. There is a, a, a canary in a cage sitting on a windowsill. Windows open, it's getting fresh air. And a lark comes and lands on the sill and looks at the canary and says, What's your purpose? My purpose is to eat seed. What for? So I can be strong. What for? So I can sing. What for? Because when I sing, I get more seed. So you eat in order to be strong. So you can sing. So you can get more seed. So you can eat? Yes. There's more to you than that. If you'll follow me, I'll help you find it. But you must leave leave your cage. Then Locato gave the answer to it. It's tough to find meaning in a caged world, but that doesn't keep us from trying. Mind deep enough in every heart, you'll find it a longing for meaning, a quest for purpose. As surely as a child breathes, he will someday wonder, what is the purpose of my life? One of his best books in the grip of of grace. God gives us a purpose. God gives us a reason. But we've got to be willing to get out of our cage. And this purpose included a call to purpose. A call to purpose. It's not just we have it. We're being called to it. Jesus was walking along the seashore of Galilee. And he saw Peter and Andrew, fishermen by trade. And he looked at them and he said, Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He walks on and and he sees James and John working with their father Zebedee at their boats. And he gives them the same, "Come, Come follow me. And they leave the boats behind. Each one of us has a call from God. If you've been adopted into the family, if you're a child of God, you have a call, you have a purpose. And I don't believe there ever comes a point in time until we go to be with Christ or he returns with us that that call is lifted. There is no retirement in the kingdom of God. We have a call. Each one of us have a call from God in our lives that will give our lives purpose. And I know it's hard for some people to see what that call is. Maybe for some of you, it's to teach children the truth of God's word. And folks, more and more, we need to be trying to do that to the best of our ability. 
Because we're now living in a culture where parents aren't always doing that. Maybe some of you received a call to walk alongside of a young mother rearing her child all on her own with no help. And God is saying, walk alongside her, love her, show compassion for her. Give practical help to help her move on. For some of you, at least part of your call is filling a a box to send around the world telling kids about Jesus. Or maybe it's to take part in in a help for the children of the Grace Baptist Church area in the Philippines that we share services with each week. And uh, uh, to, to give some, some, a gift that will help their family have plenty of stuff for Christmas and also to find sustenance and strength and hopefully the Lord. Maybe for some of you, and I'm counting on this one, For some of you, you have a call to intercede on behalf of a preacher boy from Texas who has come to realize at the age of 64, he's now one of the older men in the church. And he needs stamina. And he needs to be sure that he is following the direction of the Lord. He needs your prayers to remain faithful. And he does. It's kind of hard when you started off at 16 to realize here you are. But God isn't through yet. Whatever it is, you are called as one of God's chosen. You see, this blessing, this blessing means that we can be used for God's purposes. We've got to be willing to leave the cage. And folks, please don't take offense right now. For some of us, the cage is this building. We feel comfortable talking about Jesus here. We're not afraid of sharing praises here because we know that we are people of like mind. We have come together because we love the Lord. But God didn't call us to spend our lives here. He called us to go out there. And thank God he has given us a reason to live his kingdom out. God can use you to touch lives, to help others see the blessings that they can have in Christ through your prayers, through your love, through your kindness, Through living the life God has called you to live, God can do something amazing. Now, folks, we've only looked at three blessings because we do not have all of the time in the world in one sermon to look at every blessing of God. So count your blessings. Name them. Look at them. Understand them. Today's blessings are a good starting place. So let's take time to thank God that he entered into our lives. That there was a point in my life I heard the gospel message. And the spirit of God was speaking to my life. And I said, yes, I want Christ as my Lord. Remember that he offered you forgiveness. 
at your very worst. Jesus didn't wait for you to clean up your act. He came when you were at your very worst and brought forgiveness. And then remember and thank him. He's given me a purpose. A purpose to live for him. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads before God right now. And open your hearts. And just spend some time thanking him. That he came to you. That he forgave you. And that he gives you a reason for living.